The title of the message is, How Well Do You Listen? Now, I've, I've reached a point, and, and, and I don't feel bad about this because I know that everybody that reaches this point in life, you suddenly can't hear as well as you used to can hear. And all of a sudden, it's not because you're angry, it's just you say, what'd you say? What'd you say? Uh, I, I remember one time when Wayne Watson was here, and, and he was doing sound check in the afternoon, and he, he, he said to the guy working the sound, he said, I need you to adjust this knob, whatever knob it was. He said, I'm deaf at 3 dB in my right ear. I don't even know what that means. But he knew what it meant. It meant that there's a certain range that he couldn't hear unless it was set a certain way. Our ears are to be attentive to what God is saying to us. And, and here's the truth that is learned by living life. Our level of victory in the Christian life is in direct proportion to how well we listen. Our level of victory, whether we live in defeat or in victory, is if we listen and believe God has spoken and stand on his word or we doubt and we come at it skeptically. We, we are surrounded by noise in our society. I mean, you get a podcast on anything, you can get a TED Talk on anything, uh, you got YouTube, you got Hulu, you got, every, I mean, all channels. You know, I, I figured out that there's so many channels that you can subscribe to that you can spend your entire income so that you could just pick the channels you want. That doesn't make any sense. But somebody says, oh, for $7.99 a month, you can watch this. Oh, okay. And so we listen to that voice, and then somebody else has another voice, and we listen to that voice, and then we get in crowds, and we hear voices, and we get around groups of people, and we hear them talking, and it, it all kind of bombards us to the fact that we just kind of cut it all out. The danger is, is when we do that when God is speaking. Because God speaks most often in a still, small voice. God doesn't shout at us. He, he speaks to us. He, he whispers in our ear. And, and the way we know we're listening is if we're doing what he said. How, how well are we listening? How well do, do we listen? To? This parable is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all approach it a little differently. But if in the Gospel of Matthew, and you don't need to turn there, we'll stay in Luke, but in the Gospel of Matthew, opposition is beginning to grow to the message of Jesus. And so Jesus speaks in parables. This crowd is following him. Crowds love to listen to uh, teachers and prophets and rabbis, and, and they would gather around and follow. And Jesus had crowds of people that followed him. But the higher the cost of discipleship, and the more he set his face toward Jerusalem and the cross, the crowds began to go down. Because the higher the bar, the less people wanted to do it. They were glad to follow Jesus for the bread and, and for the fish. They were glad to follow Jesus for the miracles. But when he talked about dying to self, they kind of backed away and said, ah, that's a little more than I want to do. I don't think I want to go that far. And so Jesus seizes on a moment. He's in the Galilee area. And he seizes on a moment and an illustration that everyone listening to him would have totally understood. 
Now, we, we live in a part of the country where we still have a lot of farmland, and so we can in some way understand this parable, but people that live in New York City, they have a hard time understanding this. They just do because they don't, they don't ever get out. They just stay around the noise of New York, but they don't ever get out and see what farmers do. They eat the food of farmers, but they never ask, what does a farmer do? He sows seed. And so they would have understood this parable. Look at chapter 8 and verse 4. And when a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air ate it up. Another seed fell on rocky soil. And as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said to you, to those who follow me, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. These seed which fell on, among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, in other words, as they're going through life, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. So Jesus is painting this image. These farmers would have had sacks of seed and they would have reached in and just thrown the seed on the ground and, and Jesus is saying there's a, there's a sower and he's throwing out seed and he says, are you listening? Do you get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? So let's look first of all at the sower. This, this land is rocky. If, if you've been to Israel, you know that that soil has to be cultivated. In fact, sometimes it seems like rocks grow there. You clear out a field and you come back a few years later and there are more rocks there. It's just a rocky soil. And there is so much against the farmer without today's technology that would hinder his success as a farmer. It was an uphill battle. It was a struggle to get a crop and to survive. And so without the, the technology that we have today, that they had to do two things. They had to be faithful and they had to be patient. It took hard work. They had to be faithful and they had to be patient. The average life of a person around the time of Jesus was probably 28 to 30 years old. It was a hard life. It was a hard life. And so, so the sower went out to sow. 
Now, some fell on good soil, but most of it, it didn't last. And every person understood what Jesus was saying about the farmer, but he's asking them to listen on a deeper level. And so he says, are you listening? If you have ears to hear, do you understand what I'm saying? So there, there are three principal things in this parable. There's the sower, that's Jesus. There's the seed, that's the word of God. And there's the soil, and that's the condition of our hearts as recipients of the seed from the sower. Now, I think we would all agree that the sower is the best sower that there's ever been. Nobody's ever been able to sow like Jesus. I mean, what he started in an isolated small country under Roman captivity with a handful of followers that has spread for 2,000 years around the world, that's a remarkable sower. But he's not just sowing philosophy. He's not sowing his thoughts or his ideas. He's sowing the word of God, the infallible, the inerrant, the inspired, authoritative word of God. It has power in it. And so there's nothing better you can sow. I mean, you can recommend a book to somebody, but that book will never be as good as the Bible. It can be a commentary on the Bible, but it's never as good as the pure seed of the Word of God. And the soil is our hearts. You see, God has sown into us truth. Now, let's, let's just move into the realm of where we are today. God has been sowing seed for 2,000 years. The last seed that he sowed on earth was the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that seed sown into our lives takes us sometimes into difficult tasks and lonely tasks and rejection from people who go, I'm not interested in that. I, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus. I don't want to hear anything about the, the gospel. And, and it can be lonely, and you have to be faithful and patient, just like the farmer. I mean, a preacher can preach, and nobody respond. A, a connect group leader can wonder, why don't people get? I've been working on this lesson all week. Why don't they get what I'm doing? A missionary can pour their lives into a country and not see people come to Christ, and they wonder, is the seed working? It always works when it's sown. Sometimes it just takes longer to grow some things than it does others. Our Earl Allen, who is a great Methodist preacher, said, we cannot sow with empty hands and empty hearts. We must take time to listen to God. We can't sow with empty hands and empty hearts. We go out to sow something, and that something is someone. And we can't have a harvest without someone sowing seed. You say, well, I wish more people would be saved. Well, get more people sowing seed. I wish this community would, would love Jesus. Well, then we're going to have to sow some seed. The seed cannot, if the seed stays in here, it never does what it's supposed to do. Seed has to go into the soil. Seed has to be buried in the soil so that the seed can produce life. Seed in a jar will never do anything but just be seed unsown. And so Jesus tells us that, that our job is to sow and we're not to try to judge who will be saved. There are people out there that can tell you who this, who's going to be saved and who's not. Well, they have taken the throne of God. 
Because you don't know and I don't know. Jesus just said, sow seed. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go teach, go preach, wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. Go do what I told you to do. And you know why Acts is such an explosive book? Because they went out and sowed seed. And they spread the gospel in the known world in a matter of about 50 years. This is what God can do when we sow seed. You see, God is in the saving business. I'm just in sales and distribution. I don't own the company. It's not my seed. I'm just in sales and distribution. And when God says, go sow seed, then go sow seed. And the more seed that's sown, the more it will fall on good soil. And these disciples were listening and they were, well, I want to make sure I understand this. You see, you see, the good disciple is the one who makes sure they got what Jesus was trying to say to them. And so Jesus, as the sower, reminds the disciple of their privileged position, but also that seed had been planted in them so that they would bear fruit in and through their lives. So the question is, are we good stewards of what's been sown into our hearts? Are we good stewards of it? Ha have we faithfully handled the Word of God? Have we listened and obeyed what God has said to us? Are we good stewards of the, of the gifts and the abilities, the talents that, that God has given us? Are we stewards of the Word that we've listened to? Listen, we've all heard more than we're living up to. One of my favorite stories about Manly Beasley was was he went to preach a meeting one day and, and everybody had come. Manly was very famous at the time and the churches would just pack out and Manly would go anywhere to preach. And he got up on Sunday morning and he said, uh, I have nothing to say. You already know more than you're living up to. And he said, you're dismissed. People were griping, fussing. You mean I got dressed to come to church and, and that guy's not even going to preach Sunday night? He said, I still don't have anything to say. You already know more than you're living up to. Finally, somebody said, would you please tell us what we need to hear? And he said, you need to be saved. He said, until you're saved, you're not going to do anything with what you hear. You see, we have been given the word of God and the fruit of the Spirit is the seed of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. But it's also the fruit of souls. The Bible talks about the fruit of souls, that we are stewards of what God has given us. And listen, most of us have spent our lives in good Bible-teaching churches. But are we good stewards of what we've heard? It's like the pastor, that, you know, that in the old days, pastors used to always stand at the back of the shotgun-shaped church and stand at the back door and everybody go by and say, good sermon, preacher, good sermon, nice sermon. I really love that. That was funny. I, I love that. That was, that was so good. I've never heard that before. You're my favorite preacher. Well, I know when you leave, we'll get a better one, but you are my favorite preacher right now. And so this one person walked up to this pastor and said, that was a great sermon. And the pastor said, thank you. What are you going to do about it? You see, that's what the invitation is. The invitation is, what are you going to do about what you just heard? Are you going to do anything with it, or are you just going to receive it as information and be dismissed and go to lunch? 
See, this is the question. The sower came to sow. The Savior came to save. But are we living out the fruitfulness of the gospel in our lives? 2 Timothy 2.2, the things which you have learned and heard and seen in me, these impart to faithful men who will teach others also. There are at least four generations implied in 2 Timothy 2.2. You know how you got saved? Somebody sowed the seed of the gospel into your life. It could have been your parents, it could have been a Sunday school teacher, it could have been a coach, it could have been a neighbor, it could have been a peer, it could have been a work associate, but somebody sowed seed into your life. And you know why they sowed seed into your life? Because somebody sowed seed into their lives. And somebody sowed seed into their lives. Do you realize that every one of us have had seed sown into us that traces all the way back to the book of Acts and to the Gospels? Because if they had sat on what they heard, we would have never known Christ. But they sowed seed and others sowed seed and people went around the world to tell the truth of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. We are laborers together with God. Now the seed. The seed, Mark 4 says, is the word of God. So there's no question about what the seed is. The prophets used to say, hear the word of the Lord. What this demands of us is a high view of Scripture. God has not written 66 books of suggestions. He has written a book of revelation of how he wants to live and work in our lives. The seed has life in it. Isaiah 55, 11, My word shall not return to me void. Jesus went to Capernaum a lot, a lot. I mean, a lot. That's where Peter's mother-in-law was healed and he performed miracles all around that area but it is said of Capernaum Matthew 13 verse 58 he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief how are you listening I just don't see I don't see God working in my life I don't, I don't see God moving in my life I don't see God changing my life is it because of your unbelief? Because you really don't believe he'll do it for you? Here's one of the lies the devil will tell you. He'll do it for everybody but you. He will meet everybody at their point of need but you. He won't meet you at your point of need. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. And so here's this seed that has life in it. My responsibility is to sow the seed. Well, where am I supposed to sow the seed? Anyone, anywhere, anytime, any place that God gives the opportunity to sow the seed of the good news of Jesus Christ. See, God is like a farmer. This amazes me. You want to know how much God loves? God is like a farmer. He knows that when he sent his son to die for us, that the majority of people would reject him, and he sent him anyway. He sent him anyway. You see, we, we sometimes say, I'm not going to do anything because nobody's going to do anything with it. God, God is like a farmer. He sows seed. He knows that some will reject it. He knows with some it won't last. But it's worth it to him that people would come to saving faith in Christ, that he will sow it even in hard places where it's rejected. Because his will is that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
The New Living says anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. That, that word means that we should give total attention to what Jesus is saying to us. Jesus' words are like a farmer's seed. Chapter 8 and in verse uh, 13, verse 18. Take care how you listen or be sure to pay attention. It's a clear warning that we are to listen when the seed is sown. And that we are to believe that the seed has life in it. Now you've heard me say this before, but I repeat it a lot because some people don't listen when I say it. You and I are responsible, not only for what we hear, but for what we would have heard if we had been listening. We're responsible not only for what we hear, but what we would have heard if we had been listening. Listen, I just, this may come across as negative. I'm just warning you that, that you're going to give an account for every sermon that you've ever heard and for every Bible study you've ever sat in because God's word has either come on hard soil or soft soil when it's hit your heart. But you can't say, well, I, I don't remember that one. You heard it. But were you listening? We're responsible. Not only for what we hear, but for what we would have heard if we had been listening. The seed is God's good news of the kingdom. And then the soil. That's us. The assumption is the sower is the best. The seed is the best. The issue in this parable is the condition of the soil. And all four soils are represented of our, representative of our hearts. The growth is determined by the condition of the soil. So let's look at the hard ground. This is between the furrows. This is the beaten down path. It's, it's been walked so much it's almost like concrete. It, these are people who have minds and hearts that are not receptive to the word. Here's the key to the hard soil. The word of God gets on but never in the heart. It gets on the heart. Oh yeah, I heard that. I, I remember that. But it never gets in the heart. The seed that fell on the hard path, part of who that represents is the Pharisees and the religious leaders who should have known because they had memorized the first five books of the Bible, they should have known that this was Messiah standing in front of them sharing the word of God with them. They should have known it, but they rejected it because he didn't meet what they thought he should look like and be like. And so they rejected him and they plotted to kill him. They tried to push him off a mountain one day. They, they did everything they could to try to undermine his ministry, but it also represents people who sit in church and who know truth in their head, but never get truth in their heart. It also represents people who have made a decision, but it wasn't a decision to give their hearts and their lives to Jesus. It was a decision to join a church. It was a decision to try harder, to do better, but never to surrender and let the seed of the Word of God get down deep in our hearts. Some people, it just goes right over their heads, and the Word falls on our ears, but we never receive it. By the way, you forget 90% of what you hear within 24 hours. If we were to go around with a camera crew tomorrow at work at 1019 and say, tell me what the pastor's points were yesterday, 90% of us couldn't do it because we didn't take any notes. That's the reason I still take notes on sermons. I, I, I use notes, I take notes because 
I trust a pen more than I do my memory. Because I've had people tell me, oh, man, when you said that in that sermon, I went, I, I didn't say that. Well, that's what I heard. You weren't listening. <laughs> I didn't say that. You see, the seed falls on this hard ground, and it just bounces off, and the birds eat it up. And in fact, he says the devil steals it. He comes himself and steals the message. The rocky soil, Luke says, and he's the only one that refers to this, that it lacks moisture. It's not watered. It doesn't take root. Now, I would say of this soil, these are the people that get involved in the things of God because they fear missing out. Oh, I don't want to miss that. I want to make sure I go to that. I, I want to be able to say I went to that concert. I want to be able to say I went to that conference. I want to be a, but they're never fully committed. Here's the problem with the rocky soil. All the growth is upward and there's no root system because it's shallow. The roots can't go deep. It's a shallow soil, and it, it, it's, it's the desire to, okay, give me three ways that I can be instantly mature and like Jesus. That's a process. Sanctification is a process. Being set apart, becoming holy is a process, and, and we can jump on a bandwagon and yet miss what God is wanting to do because we're driven by our feelings rather than by our convictions. You know, make, make me feel good. Well, when the demands of discipleship come, not interested. By the way, the rocky soil that grows up and never takes root also is a soil and a heart that has selective hearing. Selective hearing. By that, I mean if it's a topic that we like, we rush to it. If it's a topic we don't like or makes us uncomfortable, we run from it. See, we have selective hearing. We, we like to say, oh, there's, there's, a, a, there's a Bible study. There's a conference. Oh, that's great. Hey, we, we're going to go out and share the gospel with people. Uh, yeah, it's just not my gift. We, we get selective in our hearing, and we don't live according to convictions. Thorny soil. Now, the thorny soil is good soil. It's got potential, but we let our old way of thinking slip back in. Look at what he says, choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life. In the early days, this person seems like they're all in with the things of God, but they aren't giving any evidence of maturity. Let me just give you a profound thought, and I know you've already thought about this, but it's, I'm going to tell you it's a profound thought because if I don't, you'll miss it. You never have to encourage weeds. Right? I mean, you know, I've sodded my yard. I've seeded my yard. I've sprayed enough weed killer to kill everything in South Georgia in my yard. And I go out there three days later, there's weeds. You don't have to encourage weeds. Weeds grow up through concrete. I mean, you walk out in your driveway one day and there's a weed growing up in the concrete. Where in the world did that thing come from? And you pull it up, and next year there's another weed in a different part of your driveway. Weeds don't have to be encouraged. Look at what he says. It's choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this world. Now, if you were to sit down with somebody that is the thorny ground soil, here's what you'd find out. They're stressed about life. 
and they're stressed about stuff. Life and stuff. None of it, none of that stuff we can take with us. But we're worried about the car and the house and the clothes and what's in style and what's not in style and, and what we want to keep and what we want to store up for some other day. And, and before long, we start living with our eyes on the problems instead of the promises. We start focusing on, well, i got a problem with this, i got a problem with that, and my kids are this, and my wife's this, and my, my husband's this way, and, and we got all this stuff going on, and, and we worry about it because we don't pray about it. Let me give you two statements here. The things of this world aren't all bad. It's just that they drain our hearts away from resting in the Lord. Nothing wrong with having a house. Nothing wrong with having a car. Nothing wrong with having clothes. I mean, it, you know, God didn't call you to go out into a cave and become a monk. You live in a real world. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's when it begins to drain our hearts away and we become so focused on our stuff and on keeping up with the Joneses, who, by the way, have refinanced three times and you just refinanced once, and you're still trying to keep up with them, and they're trying to keep up with you because y'all never talked. Instead of all of that, rest on the promises of God. God's, God's Word said He cares about you. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Leo, I'm sorry, He doesn't know. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't take Him along with you. Uh, he knows when the sparrow falls to the ground. What's a sparrow? A sparrow is not an endangered species. A sparrow is a common bird. They're everywhere. He says, I know when the common things, when the little things, when the things that the world doesn't even pay attention to, I know what's going on. Listen, you can trust a God like that. You can trust a God that knows the little things, that knows the stuff. Now, let me explain what a thorn is. And this, this may be the one thing that I want you to get more than anything. A thorn is anything that crowds Jesus out or pushes him to the edges of our lives. A thorn is anything that crowds Jesus out. I mean, the Holy Spirit starts working, and he starts speaking to our hearts, and then all of a sudden, I mean, he's moving in, and then it, all of a sudden, Jesus gets choked out by the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. We get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent tyranny of the urgent, the generally insignificant things. Evaluate how much time you spent in this last week fretting and worrying about things you can't do anything about. And you're just anxious, worried, things you can't do anything about all caught up in it, talking about it, worrying about it, stressing over it, blood pressure's going up, everything's going crazy. You, you, can't, you can't do anything about it. That's the worries of the world. It's the worries of the world. Remember what Jesus said? If you being evil give good things to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give to those who ask? God's a good God. But we can choke him out when we let the thorns, the, the weeds, 
start taking over space because you know what? They, they suck the nitrates and everything out of the soil that we need to grow our own hearts. Then there's a good soil. If you notice, three-fourths of this soil didn't bear any fruit, and one-fourth hears and obeys the good soil. Let me just give you some references here real quick. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this story with a slight difference. Matthew 13, 23 says that the good hearer understands the word. Matthew talks about understanding. Remember, Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. He wants them to understand who's talking and what seed he's sowing. Mark 4 and verse 20, the good hearer is described as one who receives the word. Receives the word. So Matthew talks about understanding. Mark talks about receiving. Luke talks about keeping the word. And in fact, in verse 15, he adds a phrase that it brings forth fruit with perseverance. Understanding, receiving, and keeping the word. So here's the question. Which soil are you? Do you find that more often than not the word just falls on the surface and it never gets inside to do the work that God has promised it will do? It could be that you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. It could be that you have religion, you know Jesus in your head. A lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches, difference between their head and their heart. Know all about Jesus, but never have surrendered and trusted. Which soil are you? Are you shallow? You just want it to stay on a shallow basis? Or do you want to go deeper with the Lord? Which, which soil are you? Are the worries of this world keeping you from being focused on that which matters for all eternity? Or do you find yourself, by the grace of God, as good soil? I mean, you see fruit and fruitfulness in your life. You see growth. You look back and say, man, I can't believe how much I've grown from here to here to here to here. And you start doing a timeline on your life, and you see where you didn't trust God, and now you trust Him. Where you didn't believe Him, and now you believe Him. Where you weren't sure, but now you have faith. Where you had doubt and fear, but now you have hope. Because you let the seed of the Word of God take deep root in your life. Listen. God's got more in that book than we can ever comprehend in a lifetime. But he should give us a hunger to let the seed grow and to bear fruit in our lives and to mature us to be solid believers that when the storms come and we have built our lives in the deep soil of the Word of God that we have a witness to a world that is caught up in the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. By the way, the other three soils could describe believers or they could describe people that have never darkened the door of a church. The only one that really describes what Jesus is looking for is the fourth soil, the good soil that bears fruit. You see, don't be a fruit inspector. Just be a fruit bearer. And it, it, 
If you become a fruit inspector, here's what you'll do. Well, I got more fruit than them. I'm, I'm here more than they are. That, when did that become the test? The standard is Jesus. It's not somebody else. I can always find somebody else I'm better than. And I can always some, find somebody that I'm worse than. But the standard is Jesus, not me. The condition of the soil of my heart is dependent on my receptivity to the word of God. When God speaks, I obey it. Why did the disciples change the world? How do we change southwest Georgia? By receiving the word and letting it bear fruit in our lives. Let's stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.